Hey, this is Cody. And Kevin. And Franklin. Thanks for joining us on the Conversations on Jesus podcast. Pull up a chair and hang out as we talk about who Jesus is and what that means for our lives. Lord, I want to say thank you for today. Thanks for letting us gather and uh, come together and worship you. Um, We ask that you would guide this conversation and continue to bring glory to you as we discover more and more about you and what it means to be a godly man. So thank you for everything that you provide for us. And yeah, looking out for us. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Welcome to this special episode of the Conversations on Jesus podcast. We're breaking from our current episode series of working through the Gospel of Matthew, although we will get back to that, to have a different sort of conversation. For this episode, we're going to be talking with the one and only Gary Newton. Gary is the senior pastor. I don't know if we've ever officially used that title, but... Gary's a senior pastor of Living Waters Church in Hastings, Michigan, and has been ever since um, he started it. Thanks for being on the podcast, Gary. Absolutely, Kevin. So before we get into what we've uh, come to talk about, would you mind giving us a little background on who you are? Obviously, Franklin, Cody, and I know you, but um, for anybody who's listening that doesn't know you, who you are, um, how you became a pastor, all that stuff? Yeah, I grew up here in the Hastings area. Um my family had a small business, and I was raised in that small business up until the time uh, I was 29. I got married uh, previous to that, and my wife and I had four children, and we felt the call of God to um, leave um, private practice and to go into ministry, which for me meant going back to school and getting some formal education. I'd served at a church in different capacities from teaching four- to six-year-old boys to junior high boys to high school to adults and whatnot and served in different capacities and leadership there at that church um, when the Lord, yeah, so we did, my wife and I, we left um, what we had and went back to school for four years and then I started. Where? Where did you go to school for four years? Life in church world. Um, There was two years uh, in Grand Rapids and it's a school that's no longer in existence there and then we moved um, after two years, we sold our home and everything and moved to Missouri, where we, um, where I went to school at um, Calvary Bible College. So four-year degree, um, didn't do the seminary and all that other stuff. But then I was hired by a church and just started pastoring. So that led to, I've served at a couple of different churches. And 16 years ago, we started Living Waters Church um, out of our home. And it's just been going ever since. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yep. Well, Um, yeah, go ahead, Franklin. Was leaving Hastings, Michigan, the sole purpose to go to Missouri for school? Yes, there was um, at that time. Typical path for a lot of pastors would be to go to, they would already had a four-year degree, bachelor degree, and then, then because they've got a bachelor degree, they don't want to go back and get an undergrad degree, so they end up going to seminary, which is just a master's level program. But I didn't have a bachelor's, and um, when I checked into other bachelor programs, it would be youth ministry or counseling or something that, hadn't, that I just had little interest in pursuing. So at that point, I'd already had two years with a pastoral emphasis or Bible emphasis and um, programs with a pastoral degree for um, people like me weren't going to be out of state. So that was a question of just where out of state that we ended up moving to. Mm -hmm. I think that's the part that I don't know that I've ever asked is why 
Missouri, why Calgary? As we, uh, one of my choices would have been Moody Bible College down in Chicago. And that's right downtown. I mean, it's right yeah. downtown. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of excited about it. And only the reason was because of the name. And it's, it's a fine school. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm a big fan of D.L. Moody, the namesake of um, Moody Bible College. Have read a lot of his books. And I just think that he was a pretty awesome guy. And so I talked to my wife about it. I said, hey, I think that this college down in Chicago would be awesome. She goes, what? <laughs> and we had four kids. Our youngest was, uh, shoot, what was he, three years old when when we left Michigan. Mm-hmm. And our oldest would have been 11. So three, yeah, three, three seven, five, and nine. So forget the 11. Yeah. Um, I said, I think downtown Chicago would be awesome. And she goes, not a chance. Yeah, not, not <laughs> right. I'm not hearing the Lord on that one with you. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a bummer. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It wasn't. How long were you out of state? Um, it ended up being two years. Mm-hmm. We had no intent of necessarily coming back this way. Yeah. Because when we left, it was it was hard having been in, raised in a family that had been rooted and established and then going into a business where you're rooted and established. It felt like an octopus when we started um, retracting mm-hmm. so that we could move, just cutting off all kinds of tentacles to all kinds of relationships. And I don't mean cutting them off permanently, but you have to alter those relationships yeah. if you're going to move. Right. And with our four kids, moving them away from grandparents and aunts and cousins, well, there wasn't any cousins at that point, but all the whole family situation for our kids. So when we moved, we said, we don't know that we're ever coming back. Oh, I didn't know that part of the story. Yeah. Cause it was too, it was, it was uh, a difficult transition for our kids. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, Especially that, the older ones. It is a big move. Yeah. It was uh, huge. And our nine year old said, yeah, I'm not going. <laughs> <laughs> and she's been a <laughs> strong child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Rightly. She's a beautiful woman. But at that point it was like, yeah, I'm not going. And we got to, uh, I moved down ahead of time because my wife had had surgery and so she had to wait. So I took down the U-Haul with all our possessions in it and moved them into a home. And then I was waiting for my wife and week or so, two weeks later, she came down with the kids and my mom helped us move down. So partway down, they stopped to get gasoline at some gas station and get a snack or whatever they're going to get. And uh, my nine-year-old got out and sat on the curb and says, that's it. I'm not going any farther. <laughs> That's as far as I'm going. <laughs> yep. So it's like, yeah. But that changed, and she ended up making it to Missouri. And That's awesome. Yeah. So when we uh, when we knew we wanted to have a guest person on the podcast right when we started this. Uh, so it's when all we, that senior pastor thing. You've never called me senior pastor. Yeah, that was weird like even I'm saying I'm getting it. set up down here. <laughs> 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 we don't at a church. We don't talk like that. It's like, don't even. Right. Yeah, it just isn't part of who we are. Right. Yeah, it was weird saying it, but thanks. It's out there forever now, so. That's true. Uh, (laughs) Is it one that goes forward? Do we carry it on past year? Don't. (laughs) (laughs) Gary's like, no. Okay, so here's the reason why. Say senior pastor, it's like, what does that even mean? It's not even in the Bible. And and when you look at the, the it's it's an office that somebody inhabits. Yeah. It's not a title. It's something that you do for the body of Christ. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's like it, never in the world would people want to walk around in Bible days saying, I'm pastor so-and-so, I'm prophet so-and-so, I'm whatever, evangelist so-and-so. Yeah. I'm a pastor of those people that right. allow me to pastor them. Right. Brad's right. hierarchy, too. 
a system or structure that doesn't yeah. need hierarchy. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So we asked you to, to be a part of it. And of course you said yes. Um, but then I asked you what you wanted to talk about and you said being a godly man. Um, so two things, which will probably fleshed out m- m- the more that we talk. Um, what do you mean when you use that term? And secondly, we could talk about literally anything, the Bible, theology, church, favorite food, whatever. It doesn't matter what it is. Right. Why is being a godly man at the top of your list as far as this setting goes? A um, couple of reasons. I knew that you guys were like working through a book mm-hmm. and making podcasts of that. So mm-hmm. for me, then it becomes topical. Yeah. Uh, and and a, doing a guest thing for something like this, it's like you're not going to do an ongoing series. Mm-hmm. So it becomes topical. Mm-hmm. And for me, um, you guys are three men um, watching you pursue the Lord and to seek what it means to be um, followers of Jesus Christ. So even the idea of godly man, thinking it through since I talked to you about that, and it's like, ah, can we tweak that and make it um, Christ-like man? Yeah, that those. Yeah, that's some of the same thought that I had Is it? leading up to this. Was how do you define man. that? Yeah. <laughs> Because when I think of it, I look at Jesus and I'm like, okay, that's Jesus is the example of a godly man. Right. Sorry, all you women. Maybe, you know, we can point you to Ruth or somebody. Maybe be Christ like woman, too. Exactly. Yeah. So using that language makes it. Because it's personhood. It's not necessarily yeah, male, that's female. Right. That's but right. You guys are men. That's right. I'm a man coming from a man's perspective. And so, yeah. And partly because you have a second reason would be that as I look at. Um, men it's interesting to me oh can't remember his name sorry read a book he was pastor over in china and he said that he went around to a bunch of men when he started his church and it was a cell-based church david yangi cho and he couldn't get any men interested in doing the work of the lord and so he said felt like the lord was talking to him and went go talk to the women because they'll be interested. Mm-hmm. It's like, ah, his heart broke. Sure. But I mean, you do what you do. If you can't get men interested, you're going to work with people that want to be worked with. Right. You're going to be um, serving with people that want to serve. Right. And so it's like, if that's going to be women, then that's where you're going to give your energy. But it's like, it, it doesn't have to be that way. Right. And it's like, um, why do men, um, there are a lot of godly men that I've, I know and have been influenced by. And so I say, thank you, Lord, for those men. But at the same time, it's it seems like it's awful easy, not just in America, but in different cultures around the world, for men to be passive about this relationship with Jesus Christ. And so it bothers me to a certain degree. It's a holy ache kind of thing. Um, like what Paul says. Mm-hmm. He's going to labor with him until yeah. Christ is formed, that Absolutely. kind of idea. Right. Yeah. And so that, I mean... It becomes a thing. So when you see men that are being passive in their relationship with Christ, you um, have done this for like twenty five years. So, but so then it's like, huh? I'm, I you look at your your life and whatnot, and it's like, okay, I'm not trying to put too much of a microscope on it, but it's the idea of um, could have done better mm-hmm. when you look at it. But it's like, okay, here we are going forward. And still, I don't care. You could do this for all your life, and you could give it 100% of everything you've got. And when you get done, you go, there's still more to do. Right. And that's absolutely true. So when you look at the life of men being passive, and it's like, why are they not? Um, yeah, John Maxwell wrote a letter. It's like, or he gave a sermon one time. It's like, people change um, when they have information so that they can change. They have inspiration from the Lord so then they can change or they feel the fire and then they can change. And it's like, 
really basic three motivations why people change in this life that we're living. And it's like, when I read through the Bible and hear the invitation of Christ to come follow me, it's like, why is that not enough? It's like, why, again, going back to the Moody, one of my um, guys that I have drawn inspiration from, he says the world is yet to see. And I think he's attributing the quote to somebody else, but he used it. And so I just give him credit. The world is yet to see what Christ can do through one man, wholly committed unto him. And it's like, yeah, I mean, the call has already been given. Yeah, right. I don't need to sit on my couch waiting for the Lord to say, hey, Gary, right. when the call has already been extended to people, come follow me. Mm-hmm. And then he says, I'll make you fishers of men. I'll, I'll enlist you. And so then um, that would be the hope yeah. that people would rise up and yeah. say yes instead of living passively saying, well, right. I'll change if something comes my way that looks more attractive than sitting here on the sidelines. Yeah. What do you think the reasoning is? Multiple. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's as simple. Yeah. I think it's, um, again, going back to nobody's making me change. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. They haven't felt the fire. Was, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm thinking about it. And it's like I'm 59 now. I um, started this out when I started this journey of faith when I was 20 years old, mm-hmm. <clears throat> which is um, not a long time compared to some people. Um but you look at it and it's like, I have known people through the years that are no longer around me. Mm-hmm. And basically it's like owning who you are as a person, as a human being. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, I own this life that I have. And often it would be like easy to give part of that ownership to my wife or part of that ownership to my kids or part of that ownership to my friends. And it, all said and done then, if I'm giving ownership away, I'm left with just a sliver of ownership of my own life. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why? I mean, I can chart my, and it sounds arrogant, I don't mean this in a wrong Christian type way, but um, we really can chart our own lives. Well, and it's like when you start giving and dishing it out, other people start dictating your life. Yeah. Because you start making changes and adjustments based on, mm-hmm. oh, this is going to do this for them, or this is going to make them feel this way, which, yeah. Going back to the idea, I, uh, um, being had this guy that I knew growing up, and he would work um, seven days a week, 12 hours a day. And it's like, and then somebody would say, but he had to. It's like, no, he didn't. He could quit. Right. Like, what do you mean he could quit? It's like the problem comes in where you get used to living on that kind of income. Right. Because mm-hmm. at that time, what it does it two and a half times your normal pay or whatever. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah. 84 hours a week. It's like get take home check gets ridiculous. And you start basing your income on that instead of when you just started out, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Your life completely changes. Become to, a slave. Yeah. Right. To which that, which you've created yourself mm-hmm. and sort of to make changes at that point becomes incredibly hard, but they're still doable. Right. Cause you've built up this structure around you to that. You have. Right. You say, I got to maintain that. Mm hmm. All right, Candace and I moved into, my wife Candace, we moved into a, a different home uh, five years ago, something like that. And I intentionally said, um, like with landscaping and all those outdoor beautification projects, um, purposely going to keep it minimalist because I don't want to become a slave to keeping my yard up. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a choice, right? Yeah. Okay, but extend that to your whole life. Right. Yeah. Right? Right. You join this group, you join that group, you join this group, and it's like, pretty soon you become a slave to all of your commitments and then you're just maintaining your commitments. And it's not because you feel like that's where the Lord has led you. 
you're engaged because you said yes at a time when you weren't saying yes to something else. Right. So I'm saying be purposeful, intentional about what you say yes to so that you become owner of your own life. And if you need to make changes, I mean, it says that Christ died to set us free. Right, right. So as a man, if I don't take ownership of those choices, I'm giving my life away. And I don't mean giving it away to Christ. I mean giving it away to other things that don't right. matter as much as what he does. You're purposefully making yourself a slave. To other things, exactly. Right. right. And Paul said that's the definition of a bond slave, mm-hmm. where you pr- where you purposely make yourself a slave to something else. Only yeah. he was a bond slave because he made himself a servant of Christ and drove all through his ears signifying that he was a bond slave to, uh, and they'd say, who are you a bond slave of? He'd say, well, I'm a bond slave of Christ. And he'd say that people would go, oh, how'd that happen? He'd say, I purposely, intentionally chose this way of living, his will over mine, his direction over mine. And I see men, <clears throat> so one thing would be passive living, but the other part of it would be um, not intentionally choosing, which again goes back to that passive thing, um, not intentionally choosing to form my life around that which I see is important to Jesus. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Could you expand on it just so I can catch up a little bit? I used to have... Um, beagles mm-hmm. used to um hunt rabbits with them yeah but apart from that i would go uh i would um it used to be what they their trials and so you take your dog to different trials to compete against other people like me that had beagles as well to see how your dogs stacked up against their dogs mm-hmm. and it was fun you'd build relationships and i'm not downing that necessarily you know when trials occurred Saturday and Sunday. Sunday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. It's hard to teach junior high boys <laughs> when you're at a dog trial. Yep. And I say, well, where have you been the last six weeks? Uh, it's dog trialing season. And it's like, uh, <laughs> oh, uh, sorry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know, right? And I had a friend, Ken Burkett, look at me like, that is so not impressive. Yeah. And he wasn't doing it to shame me. He wasn't doing it. You know, he wasn't even saying it was just, oh. Right. That's what you're choosing to do. Yeah, exactly. That's, yeah, that's what you've given yourself mm-hmm. over to. Right. Yeah. Like, oh, you got these two choices and uh, you chose. Okay. Chose so then let's, let's just expand it for you then. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. My dog, Harry, I bought him when he was three months old for 350 bucks. Not a small price, but it's, yeah. So I ran Harry for a while and he didn't know anything about running rabbits and all of that stuff. So I taught him. And so I'm giving um, multiple hours per week. I say multiple hours. Let's say multiple hours per day. Per day, yeah. Okay. It takes a lot of time. It does. Yeah. Two to three times five. I'm up to 15 hours a week to my dog. Yep. And then you got to go to the trials after your dog gets to a certain skill level. Right. right. Well, the only reason you're doing that is, well, it was, I want people to see my I have skillful this dog. dog. <laughs> so it's like ego really at that point, dog. right? This is my dog. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look at him. He's, he's beautiful. <laughs> Watch him run. That. Oh, look at him run. That. Oh, where's your dog? Oh, yeah. Sorry. So then. Uh, oh, you didn't bring your dog? Yeah. Oh, Talking about no, Christ-like oh, character, right? Yeah. Right. Yes. Okay. Anyhow, so you do that. Okay. But to go to the trial, well, you got to have a dog box. 
well, you got to have something to haul the dog box in. And it's like, huh. And those are trials where uh, the closest was probably 50 miles and the furthest was 90 until you went to the Nationals, which is down in Kentucky. And so you make that a thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm all about having fun. It's not that. Right. But I'm talking one hobby, one choice that led to this choice, that led to that choice, that led to that choice. And now it's like, um, do you have any money for this helping somebody? Well, right. I did, but we spent it in Kentucky at the National Beagle Trials. Right. Impressive. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, then it's like dogs complement each other. And so one dog has a strength like people. Yep. Yep. And so then it's like, honey, talking to my wife, not my dog. <laughs> <laughs> this would be really cool if we could get another dog for Harry. He really needs a best friend. Well, and it could be a female and we could sell them. Here's this pitch, right? We could sell them and make yeah, yeah. Oh, lots of money. You made that pitch, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> did, did it get yeah. shot down? No. No. My wife has always been, um, she's amazingly in, encouraging. Supportive? Mm-hmm. In, a, a good in, in, a, in a ridiculous way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've had so many stupid ideas that she said yes to. And it's not <laughs> like she's just a nitwit or something. I mean, she's got a brain of her own, and but she's She's going to let you figure it out. She's willing to support me yeah. in my bad choices yeah. and my good choices. Yeah. Right. So anyhow, um, so it's like, yeah, so we're going up to Clio, Michigan, which is an hour and a half away, to look at a female beagle. Okay, so you were in Michigan at this point. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that yeah. was that was a question this that is popped prior up. to going yeah. to ministry. Okay. Yeah, this is when I was just working in the in the family business. Yep. And come home at night and mm-hmm. well, everybody needs a hobby. Oh, one hundred percent. Or multiple hobbies. <laughs> exactly. So I don't, I don't have time for multiple hobbies. <laughs> My one. You've got one consumes you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to Clio to get this, uh, take a look at this this female beagle. And we get up there, and her name was Betty. And she was just the cutest little dog. It was ridiculous. So the guy turned her loose because I wanted to see her in action before you put down some good money. And, yeah, this was back in, let's see, 86, 85. So a long time ago, okay? Just right. a few Because I know dogs now are going for ridiculous prices. Right. This is 86. And he said... Um, I'd like 550 bucks for her. And I just got my wallet out and started chunking out the change. said, here you go. You didn't even haggle with him? Uh, there's some things. Gotcha. <laughs> just, yep, this is what well, it is. Well, yeah. It's like, that's what it is. Mm. So you pay well, the money and off Because she was worth it. Kind of. Yeah. Yep. And it, it is. I mean, I'll haggle on pretty much anything. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why I'm surprised you that you did You go to a hotel haggle. room and you haggle. I right. mean... Yeah, I'm almost on everything, but it's like... It's like that unwritten rule. Yeah. It's like... You cross on the line, you know yeah. it. If you're trying to haggle with the when you're buying a dog, it's like... You yeah. didn't really What's wrong with you? Yeah. I know, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, so there we are. We're heading back home with our dog. It Betty. costs 550 bucks. Betty and Henry. Harry. Harry. Betty and Harry. Sorry. Well, <laughs> Betty needs a place to stay, so you got a <laughs> dog box. Well, no. I mean, you're going to have puppies. you got to expand your current dog box. Yeah, well, yeah, well. No, you need a kennel. Oh. So you build a 30-foot-long kennel with multiple pens and then a place at the end. See what I'm saying? One thing just means you can hear the chains being added. Can't you? No lie. Link after link. One link link after another. My nephew came to me one time and he said, hey, I'm thinking about building a 40-by-60-foot pole barn. He says, what do you think it's going to cost? 
I said, way more than what you think it is. He says, I said, you can put the structure up, but then in your mind, you have to fill that pole barn. Right. With something. With something. You can't just leave it empty. You can't. Right. Not if you build it 40 by 60. Our minds don't work that way. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So then you start manufacturing ways to fill your pole barn. I could get a boat. I got plenty of storage space. Right. But then you got to go fishing. A nice boat. Mm. And then you got a trailer. I mean, it just goes on. And what about camping? So with life, that's the way it is. We don't measure the choices that we make in terms of long-term cost. Mm Mm-hmm. So we're passive about it in one way. It's like, yeah, I don't want to make a decision, which is making a decision. But then we don't measure our life against the choices of presented to us in the Bible that we could make. So instead we step outside of that and daisy chain a whole bunch of choices together. And it's like, poof, I'm a slave to my own choices. So when somebody says, hey, let's just say that the Holy Spirit's going to whisper to you. Say, could you go help so-and-so? You go, that's well, a great idea, but I just don't have the time. The time. Right. Do you think it's because we're trying to fulfill something that we're desiring in the Holy Spirit and Jesus? Or just because that's just. Well, I think what you're we created do. in God's image. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And part of that means that um, we're creative people. Yeah. But we also like control. Right. Yeah. And that's the downside of um, being made. Uh, that's not the downside of being made in God's image. That's where we take being made in God's image to a bad place. Right, right. Where he says, I created you to populate the earth, to manage it for me, and to worship, to walk with me. And the new heavens right. and the new earth, that'll be glorious. Won't it? Right. Well, I'll do that. Right. Great. Mm-hmm. Now I it get gets it. flipped upside down all the time. Yeah. I pull into these rest areas, and I camp out there for a while. And it has nothing to do with being a follower of Christ. And it's like after a while you feel like you wake up or something or you just make your whole life there at the rest area. Mm-hmm. Hmm. When I am listening to you talk, it's never hit me before in all the time I've spent with you. I, um, you really have, and I don't know how you'll, it'll be interesting to see how you respond to this. You really have the heart of a Puritan in you. When I hear you talk about... Not a pure heart. <laughs> we'll get to that. That's that's a uh, next episode. But the, okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> Come back for that one. Right. So they get they get dogged and thrown around as these uppity people that um, want to control everything, and they're only concerned with God, and they they want to push everybody else down. And they're but what? And granted, some not great things have come out of that movement over time. But the heart of it is a godly way the heart of it, I think, is looking at your life in the world and the things you've been given and saying, what is the most important thing? And then orient my life around that. Yeah. And the Puritans chose it's God over everything. Right. And so that radically affected their life. But when I listen to you talk, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's 16th century, 17th, 18th century people that um, or saw something 1600 years before that exactly yeah right but it's that constant you get people like yourself who see it and want to recover that well, I think that when we I mean, going back to the Bible right mm-hmm. when you read this when you read all of the invitations that Jesus extended okay so we're talking about Christ like men right mm-hmm. right right so in like first John uh, you know you walk in the footsteps of Christ Right. Mm-hmm. Any idea in that way? Uh, you know, um, uh, what's his name? Um, 
RVL, Ray Vanderland from Holland, Michigan, um, talks about being a disciple, that you're so close to the disciple that the dust that is stirred up from his feet, right? Uh, following right. a rabbi, that mm-hmm. the dust that is kicked up from his feet, you're so close to him that that dust lands on you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so, I mean, why can't we can? Why, why don't we, though? And it's an individual question for everybody. And I get it that people drift and we have moments where we seem closer. But yeah, so going back to the Bible, there are so many invitations that have been given already by Christ for us to enter into. And it's like um, the Holy Spirit is beckoning us. So yeah, of course, the Puritans and multiple people around them. Oh, yeah, they're not the only ones. Not at all. Right. I get what you're saying as far as a movement that is kind of characterized by some of this stuff. Right, right. But it goes back to the invitations that have been extended to mankind through the work of Christ. And right. it's like, yeah. Right. I was looking earlier and thinking about this. In, in Paul writing to Timothy in First Timothy, he says, because I was trying, okay, so in the New Testament, where... Where does that term show up, and and who is it being talked about, or how is it being applied? Um, Paul writes to Timothy and says, um, in First Timothy three sixteen, beyond all question, he says, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. And then he describes Jesus. He appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, was taken up in the, into glory. True godliness springs and I don't know why I mean I've always associated Jesus with godliness if you want to see a godly man person look at Jesus but to think of it in Paul's language that it's actually flowing out from him like living water comes out of him and then out of us to think of godliness pouring from him was it just hit me different than it had before but that's only if we're submitted Right, and only if we're willing to receive the leadership of the Holy Spirit in our right. lives. Right. So then you look at Christ, and it's like, what did he do? Right. He was a man of character. Right. He was a man who was submitted to a purpose um, or to his heavenly Father. So submitted to the plan of his heavenly Father, and then just quietly, and some days not so quietly, walked it out day by day by day, making the choices then that would prevent him from becoming a slave to other purposes and at the same time when he's saying no to those choices he's saying yes to um that one singular purpose for which he came into this world to to live out right yeah i was so i as we've done before aside i was searching doing a word search on godly godliness in the new testament and it's interesting that it shows up obviously a lot with paul yeah. When he's talking to the churches and talking to Timothy and, and um, discipling them, it shows up one time in the in the four Gospels, right. only in the Gospel of John. Right. And I think it's obvious now, but just what you have said, Jesus is living it out. He's not, ex- he, um, Jesus preached, but he wasn't concerned, it doesn't seem like, with preaching about how to be godly. It was, look at how I live my life. And then Paul says, you're, um, imitate him, imitate me as I imitate him, which, you know, why do we have four, well, a bunch of reasons why we have four gospels, but why do we have four that only mentioned godly or godliness once, but put on display Jesus, who is the godly one. And it, I think it gets obvious really quick. Okay. So then we start deflecting Mm -hmm. and we look at the life of Jesus and we look at our own life. 
Okay. Right. Okay. So we look at our life in a couple of different ways. We look at our life and we go, man, I have made a bunch of bad choices. Mm-hmm. It's like, I know I'm saved by grace and everything else, but it's like, okay, I am damaged goods. Therefore, I'm going to let the other good people who are undamaged goods follow Jesus closer than what I'm going to follow. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. And so we stay purposely back because we think that our poor choices in the past are going to dictate our, our being used or our closeness to Christ in the present. And so then the other thing would be, yeah, but he was Jesus, which somehow means something. And it's like he voluntarily um, set aside using or um, making, um, he voluntarily set aside using his divine attributes. Right. He still had them. He just chose not to use them. And so he did all of the things that he did while he was here, walking on water, raising Lazarus, you know, speaking the messages that he spoke and everything else under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And right. I say that and then people still go, yeah, but he was Jesus. We talked about that in in the Matthew 4 episode mm-hmm. of yeah. Jesus being yeah. tempted and oh, tested. And, yeah. Yeah. Doing we, that as a man. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. As right. the God man. Yeah. The I, man I get it. in particular. You, the God man. separate yeah. the God man. I mean, right. But it's still... I, right. if, if I've got that attribute, I'm a dad, right? right? Okay, I'm a dad. I've got four children and whatnot. They're all married. But it's not like I walk around flexing the dad thing all the time. Right, right. I can choose just to be a friend to my kids too. Right. Not that I'm, you know, so no, I hear what you're saying. split personality. So anyhow, Jesus had these attributes and he chose not to use them. Mm-hmm. And it says that he was tempted in every way. You went through the book of Hebrews recently. He was tempted in every way as we're tempted. And the temptations were real. And he experienced life as a man. And so it's like, there's nothing stopping me right. from entering into a life that is full. Right. I mean, that's what's been promised. Yeah, Kevin said, uh, well, and I, th- I think it's important to remember, like, we follow the same Holy Spirit that Jesus followed. Yeah, I know. It says in Acts, right? Yeah. The same Spirit that, that raised Jesus from the dead lives mm-hmm. in you. Right. Right. So right. it's like, all we have to do is then is respond to that spirit that's living into me. Yeah. I don't have to create it. Right. I just need to respond to that. Right. Right. Jesus was led into the wilderness by the spirit. It's clear there. And then, right. which we talked about, but it, then we rationalized, well, because he was God, he got through all that temptation. All of a sudden his godness kicked in and he beat every temp. Well, no, he followed that same spirit throughout all of that and then out of the wilderness again into his ministry, which... Is exactly what you said. We have access to the same spirit now. So it's like I've watched, you know, a lot of the Marvel comic movies and all of that stuff. I grew up with these mini books that had, it was crazy, Hulk and these fat little mini books things back in the early 70s and then comic books and everything else, right? So Superman, meek and mild, Clark Kent until he, and he steps into the phone phone booth. booth. (laughs) It just (laughs) magically appeared whenever there was a crisis. And it's like, out comes Clark Kent, I mean Superman, rather. Yeah. So it seems like that's how the people view Jesus. Right. It was like, yeah, he was just making mild Jesus until right. he had to do something that was supernatural, and then it was just like poof out of this phone book steps. Right. God. Right. right. It's like ah, that's a terrible misunderstanding and a, and a terrible way of reading scripture. It makes it nearly impossible then to look at Jesus and say, I'm supposed to be like him. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm missing a huge part of who he is, so right. I might as well toss that aside right from the get-go. Right. I can't ever achieve what he did. Right. Yeah. Right. Maybe I can be like Paul, probably not, assuredly not Jesus. I'll fall on his mercy at the end of my life so that I can go to heaven when I die. Right. Why do we set the bar so low? Because, again, 
I'm a slave to my choices. Right. I live passively. It's like, yeah. I, uh, uh, okay, let me just cut that stuff out. The reason I set the bar low is because I have allowed myself to be deceived. Yeah, you bought into the de- deception? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen people buy into the deception. <laughs> I never. You have. guys got really quiet there for a minute. Like, <laughs> like wow. wow, what just happened? I'm like, uh, where's Gary's he really this one? like Jesus. Uh, <laughs> yep. Yeah. Which the world is not short of. What's been on my mind a lot lately is things going on and thinking um, you can live your life for a long time um, grasping and looking for the next thing that the world can offer you. Right. But there comes a point, and we're living in some of it right now with the pandemic and political things, that you either, it seems to me, you either get frustrated with the world and end up an angry person at the world, or you view the world as, okay, what I thought you could offer me, you can't offer me anymore. And so hopefully if you're following Jesus, you get, you get pushed his way. But if you're not, then you're going to search for something. Yep. And Absolutely. and you will bind yourself to something. Mm-hmm. You will. Yeah. Shoot, that was me with, I remember having a conversation with Gary about uh, getting the new iPhone. Back when the iPhone 12 was coming out, like I had just paid mine off and it was like, oh, next one's coming out. Yeah. I, I've gotten the new one the last three years. I think I'm going to do it. It's like, is your phone all right? Yeah. Yeah. I just, you know, I, I really like the new thing. I really like the new phone. How much different is it? Oh, not not a whole lot. I mean, there's a couple small things. Right. Uh, okay. So you want to restart those monthly payments? Hmm. Yeah. Maybe not. <laughs> maybe I don't want to restart those right. monthly payments. Right. Good thinking. That couple thinking. megapixels on the camera it's doesn't. It's not going worth it. Right. Anymore. And it's like year after year, it was like every September. Oh, there's a new iPhone. Right. Oh, it'll be here the day it comes out because I'm waking up at 3 a.m. and pre-ordering it. Right. Like completely changing my schedule to order a new iPhone when it's not much different than the one before. My uh, my father, who's uh, since passed, he's passed away, but um, he, he taught us as kids the best we could. Um, when I was young, I bought a couple of calves um, to raise up to sell as um meat animals for somebody mm-hmm. who would have them butchered and put them in their freezer and all that other stuff. And so he, he required that I would keep track of everything that I had purchased so that I had an expense. And then when I went to sell them, I could see how much money I had made and wh- where that money went and everything else. And so from a, he just taught me business um, skills from a very young age to when I was 13, went to the bank and got a personal loan for a motorcycle. And then I... Huh? At 13? No, sorry. Uh, 17. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking, man, well, I was going along with the story. Really yeah. changed. When I was 17, went to the bank, got a personal loan for a motorcycle. Yeah. And when I got out of school, then I just entered into um, contract with him to start purchasing the family business. And then it's amazing how quickly you just, I got married. And it's like, you need it. You, you need a dependable cars, the language you would use, right? Right. So my wife and I went to the Ford dealer over in Delton and we purchased a new car. It was like, holy smokes, what just happened? That was so quick and easy. Yeah. I mean, it's way before easy credit of today. Right. It was 
crazy. So anyway, bought a house. You need a loan for that. So we got a loan for that. <clears throat> Buying into these different systems of the world has to offer, like you were talking about, mm-hmm. whether it's an iPhone or whatever it is. But when you're older, it's like, yeah, you start then purchasing more expensive items. And so I watch people today, and it's like they're going to buy uh, vehicles because everybody needs a nice vehicle to drive. They're going to buy a home, which, yep, there's nothing wrong with having a home. Um, that's the question now. It's like, look at the pickups the other day, and it's like $75,000 for a brand-new pickup. It's mm-hmm. like some people it's drop ridiculous. cash, it's nothing. Yeah. Other people, they're on the hook for, you know, eight, ten years. Right. I mean, that's going to be a beautiful, rusty pickup in 10 years from now. Right. <laughs> I don't right. care what you say. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> that I'm going to buy and then continue to drive. Yeah. Right. So then you keep buying these different toys, and it's like, then you ask people, can you do this? And it's like, well, I would love to, but I, I, I got this other commitment. Yeah, I can't. It's like, oh, I'm sorry you structured your life that way so that you can't make choices. Right. You, you chose to go down a path, and we don't have to. And if you do to go down the path, talk to people before it's like man i got this thing it's like sell it oh what well, and you're emotionally attached and you watch a wrestling match happen to somebody that's emotionally attached to something right and you can put whatever in that in that slot that you want to right mm-hmm. right for cody it was an iphone it's like yep you need a phone i get that part need a little strong but you need a phone way to communicate it's like okay do i need a seventy-five thousand dollar pickup right mm-hmm had a couple that was uh, considering that they're a camping family. So it's like, yep, just sick and tired of your present circumstances. And you think that this new purchase is going to change all of that, right? And so they were going, and she's just dead set. They were going to buy a brand new. And it's like, so they went into the, the trailer sales place and talked to the salesman. And it was like, she just didn't feel any peace of God. So I'm grateful and I'm celebrating with her and her family. But anyhow, she said, they ended up buying a used, almost new, for half the price of a new one. I mean, at, at that point, you're making choices right? that don't make you a slave. Right. Right. But it's so easy to make so many choices that it's like you are literally a slave to your choices, and you don't have choices at that point. You say you do, but you really don't. Okay, so do you think... Um, All of this talking about being a Christ-like man... Right, because if you're gonna, if you're going, okay, going back to the and the idea of being Christ-like, right? Um, Paul talked about it. He said, "I'm a slave of Christ," mm-hmm. and then he talks about, um, "I once offered um, the instruments of my body to sin as instruments of sin." Right. Right. But now I'm free, and I can offer those my body as an instrument of righteousness. Right. To, um, and we would say, Lord, or King, or. And I, you can translate that, say, to the person who is an authority over me, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Right. But only if you're in a position where you can actually do that. So being a Christ-like man is that. So you start saying, do I think what? In, in uh, Yeah. So in your conversations with people over the years of being a pastor, yep. um, would you say this? Uh, obviously, this is important enough that you will sit with three guys. I mean, we already talked about why you want to talk about it. Um, is this the thing that um what's discipleship but watching men mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. so i mean okay so um it's crazy the influence that that people can have it's like that david Yangi cho from china you know or um yeah china no korea excuse me he's um 
pastor in Korea and that China. Anyhow, David Young Cho over there and was like, okay, you can be a person of influence. You just have to choose to be. Right. And it doesn't mean there are some people that are going to influence a hundred or thousands and other people who are going to be more comfortable influencing 10. Mm-hmm. It's like then influence 10. But if you're not in a position where you can do that, then you're not able to do that. Right. And so Jesus is, talks about all those parables that he talked about, right? Right. And he said the kingdom of heaven is like a guy who was walking across the field and, and found the pearl of great price. That's right. Went home, sold everything he had so he could go back and buy the field. It's like, why would he do that? Unless it was just of so much more value than what he had that he said that's nothing compared with owning that field where the precious pearl is. Right. And if we don't see the kingdom of heaven like that, why would you make that choice? Then you look around, you pick out which kingdom of this world is going to be the best for me. Right. Like, why would I make a sacrifice here? Yeah. No, absolutely. You're not going to, are you? No. Unless. Unless you see the right value. Yep. Yep. So when I look around, you guys here, it's like I'm 59, so it's like yep, on the tail end of this. Not dead yet, but on the tail end of this. <laughs> well, not dead okay, yet. So it's like, but you guys, it's like when you look forward. Okay, so I, when you're your age, mm-hmm. um, Cody, mid-20s, Franklin. 20. Kevin. 35. Yeah. You guys are in the stage of your life where... Um, you've got the energy and the vitality and maybe lacking wisdom in certain regards. That's just the reality of life. Isn't yeah. it? You don't have the experience, which means um, you don't have the wisdom. Okay. doesn't mean you're stupid. It doesn't mean anything. Just you don't know what you don't know. You right. don't know what you mm-hmm. don't know until yeah. you get there and you go, oh. Wow. That's what that <laughs> was. That's what that <laughs> you know, I've thought about this before. I really but, should have uh, listened to Yeah, about was, that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, you remember that class? No. Oh, you should have paid attention. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you guys are in the stage of your life where you're all about building. I mean, you're getting married here shortly, Franklin. 38 days. Yeah. <laughs> you never cease to amaze me with that. <laughs> it was 11 days ago you told me. Was it really? Yeah, 49 days. <laughs> okay, it's the beautiful thing. It's like it's something it's exciting. His life. I know, yeah. exactly. And so it, it, that's how it manifests itself. Yeah. So this kingdom of God idea, right? You guys are in this building phase of your life, and it's like, yep, you're putting together your homes. It's like you and Amanda purchased a home mm-hmm. not too long ago. Cody purchased a home. You purchased a home. And it's like, yep, now you consider vehicles, and you consider building this little empire. Only we don't usually view it like that, but right. that's what we do. Right. Right. We mm-hmm. build this little empire where I'm the little king of this empire. It's like, yep, I get all of that. But it's like, really, it's Jesus is loaning you things at this stage of your life yes. to use that influence for him, for him and his glory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Uh, you know, John Deere makes a beautiful, yeah. <laughs> beautiful, shiny lawnmower. Yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is gorgeous. <laughs> I don't need one of those. You don't. <laughs> I do. No. No. <laughs> we'll talk to you about the new electronics, though. Right. And you're going to start drooling right here on the microphone. I, I go up and borrow Gary's. <laughs> his, his lawnmower is perfect. Hey. 62 inch deck. 54. Oh. 50. <laughs> well, that's all right. See, look at that. Hey. No. It works well. But you're more than welcome. To, but that idea that you can look around, so you're in this building phase of your lives. The question is, what is the kingdom that you're going to be building for? Mm-hmm. Right. right. Okay. You get to my age, and it's like, I've had my kids. Um, I had the career thing, and I, I'm still working and all of that stuff. So it's, I'm not saying that I'm done with life. It's just you go through different phases. 
the first chunk of your life you're busy engaged in school you're engaged in relationships and what it means to interact with other people and then you graduate and all of a sudden apparently you're an adult right able to make choices of an adult and then build your own empire because that's what you learned the first 18 years of your life or something supposedly right and they turn you loose and it's like okay go make your mark on the world whatever that and it's like pretty soon devolves into this weird thing where jesus he's given us instruction a long time ago he says hey Hey, over here. I, I got some great advice for you. I can help you build. Yeah, exactly. I'll show you. On, not just I'll show you how to build. I'll show you mm-hmm. what to build so that you're building and you are going to experience life in abundance. Right. Mm-hmm. You are. Instead of putting all of your time and energy into this, the crazy part was when I was first a pastor, people would come to me and say, oh, yeah, we're starting a home remodeling project. And in my head, I would go, I'll see you in nine months. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And our home remodeling project's bad. No. But it's like, often we don't know how to make choices without sacrificing something that is of value. Right. I remember, um, I remember buying the truck that I have now several years ago from Grand Ledge, being excited about it, driving home, and it just happened quote unquote, just happened that Gary was calling me and we talked on the phone and I said, yeah, I'd drive him back from just buying a truck. And I can't remember the exact language you used, but you said something like the truck is just a tool, right? And I heard you and I went, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's some, there was something inside of me that's like, can't you just let me have this cool toy, right? This is a sweet truck that I just Damn, bought. Exactly. <laughs> but today... So fast forward several years, hearing that and then working that through, um, serving and and does a bunch of things, living life, all that stuff. Washing my truck today, I get to a part in the back driver's side of the of the bed, and I go with the high pressure water, <laughs> and there goes some paint. <laughs> and for a second, I was like, "Oh man, that's." But then another thing out of me was. Okay, this tool is working so far, and I there was almost, however it can be, uh, a good amount of pride out of me was like, yeah, I don't care about the, I'm actually happy that it's resting, because then that forces me to look at it and say, okay, um, God, like you said, he's loaning us things. So he gave me the vehicle. Um, he gave it to me in such a way that it rusted in a few years to, I think, show me something that this isn't going to last forever. And if you give your life to this or the house or whatever it is, you are going to be giving your life to something that will rust away. Like in 10 years with the new truck, you're going to be driving a rust filled thing that you are now tied to forever. And it was so nice and it's a small thing, but it was nice to be able to knock that pain off and go, okay, wash the other side and that's fine and drive away. And you've told me that you've been um, visiting with some people lately and helping them along in their walk with Christ. Right. It's like, Okay, take that away in 10 years. Right. Right. Nothing going to happen, is it? Right. No. Right. That'll exactly. Be there forever. That's right. That's right. So as young men, and all of that building thing, it's okay to build. I'm not saying that, so don't hear the wrong thing. There's nothing wrong with having a nice vehicle. There's nothing wrong with all of that, unless you can't afford it and you become a slave to that which you've said yes to. Right. Mm-hmm. There are some people that just have the money and they're going to plunk down and they're going to buy it and it's going to be nice and you're going to look at it and go, I can do that too. 
It's like that keeping up with the Jones thing is mm-hmm. just so amazingly powerful. It's like, I deserve that. It's like, whoa, 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 where did that come from? Right, right. How is that going to help me be a godly man if yeah. I base my life on I deserve? Right. It, it really is, when it gets down to it, it's things of the world or the kingdom of God. It is. Or. We're going to build one of those two things. Mm-hmm. So... um it's always been an interesting thing to me to think about defining what the kingdom of God is. And I listen to people struggle with how to talk about the kingdom of God. You ask them what sin is, boom, sin is they'll have a definition, making God mad, not doing what he asks you to do. Um, uh, what's the kingdom of God? Well, it's here, but it's not here. And you can see it, but you can't see it. And Jesus is a part of it. Do you think... Uh, that's um, a factor in us not pursuing the kingdom of God is because we don't recognize it when we see it or we don't know what we're building when God calls us to be a part of the kingdom of God. Um, the church has not handled that well, have they? Right. You know, I mean, throwing stones at this thing that I'm a part of, that's the bride of Christ and he shed his life for. So right. not throwing stones, just right. making an observation. Um, when the church who exercises amazing influence in the lives of people. When the church says that the main point is you believing in Jesus so that when you die, you go to heaven. Right. It devalues my life here and now. It's like, no, your life's important, but the really important stuff happens when you die. And like Jesus would go, no, it doesn't. Right. The really important stuff happens every day. Mm-hmm. Every day. And it just happens to continue on into eternity. Right. Okay, so if I get wrong teaching, I'm never looking for that which I should be looking for. Yeah. Right. But the other part of it would be then I have to choose. Yeah. And and you have to think about it like that, that you have to make a choice because you will choose something. Whether or not you know the choice you're making is not going to stop you from, like with the iPhone thing. If, if you don't think that through, you not thinking it through or anybody is not going to stop you from making the choice. Right. You're going to either buy the phone or not. Right. right. You just may or may not do it knowing what you're doing. Yes. Yeah. Do it with your eyes open. Yeah, exactly. And conversely, uh, Rick Warren says nobody ever stumbles into maturity. Right. It right. just never happens. Right. Right. It's purposely, intentionally sought after. And when we say maturity, all we're saying is I start thinking more and more like Jesus. So when we start thinking about the kingdom of God, then we go, okay, what is it? How does it exist? Right. And then you boil it down. That's like anywhere that the rule and reign of Christ exists. Right. Thank you, Dwight Pryor. Right. Guy that existed that has since passed away that yeah. when he said that, it's like, oh, well, then Jesus can say, may your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. That's right. Mm-hmm. Because the rule and reign then of God would exist here. Right. And then Jesus would say, yeah, it's near you. And he would say, it doesn't exist out there. It's in your heart. Mm-hmm. When he says in your heart, he just means in the center of who you are as a person. Right. So then the kingdom of God exists whenever I surrender my will to his will. Or let me rephrase that. I'm living under the authority of the rule and reign of Jesus, which means that I'm going to be serving his purposes. Right. His kingdom. Right. The king of his, the king of the kingdom. Right. So whenever I'm serving the king, I'm going to further the purposes of the kingdom. Right. So then it it really then becomes less about micromanaging 
every little decision you make on whether is it is it good or bad or you're making God happy or angry, but you've you've aligned your life in such a way that you pattern your life after Jesus enough to where you just start doing those things. Not because um, but because you've worked into that. Mm-hmm. You've you've walked into a mature life. Trained. You're trained, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Guy, you say it's not about trying harder, it's about training. So, I mean, that idea that Paul said when I was a kid, I thought like a kid, now mm-hmm. I'm an adult, I think like an adult, mm-hmm. would be the idea. So it's like in the beginning of this whole process, it, it can be exhausting. I mean, I watched your kids come home from grade school, and then it's like mentally their brains were just tired. And they'd go outside when they got home, and they would just run and play, and then they'd fall over and go to bed at night. You know what I mean? Okay, so in the beginning of, of this process, it can be tiring but it's like it's a different kind of tired than giving my life to the wrong things i used to go out no secret that i used to go out and um party a lot it made me tired inside did i have fun at some of those parties are you asking did i laugh and joke around and smack talk and all of that crap yeah i did but it left me tired inside Okay, giving myself to, to training on what it meant to be Christ-like is tiring but fulfilling inside. So it's like I get to choose. I can be doing things that leave me with a smile on the outside, and I can go, you know, high-five, and it's like, oh, wasn't that such a blast when we, and you fill in the blanks. Right. And then internally there's just an ache and a tiredness. Instead of giving myself to training for righteousness, right. which is tiring, right? but it leaves me so um, fulfilled on the inside right. that it's not even a trade-off. Paul says, train yourself to be godly, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I don't know who said the quote, and I think it's been passed on to... A number of different people, but they somebody was asked long ago, "What would you do if you knew Jesus was coming back tomorrow?" And his answer was, well, "I'd I'd go outside and plant a tree." And the I think the point was because what you do now is of lasting effect for the age to come. And there's a dual, okay, because this world is not going to be crumbled up and thrown away, but that's true. But also the work you put in now and the training that you do now, like Paul said when he wrote to Timothy is of eternal value. You're, when you plant that tree, that will be however it shows up in the new heavens and the new earth will show up later. And however we train now, it seems like God has set the world up in such a way to say, okay, you did that now. Watch me carry it through forever. You're going to reap the benefits of that. And, and to think that you can live your life and miss all that, right. that's daunting. Yeah, yeah that is. Okay, so when I was uh, in, when I had a family business, my dad, he would taught me how to serve people. It's like his thing used to be, um, don't make a decision until you put yourself in their shoes, right? You've heard that idea, sentiment or whatever else it is, right? For him, it was a reality. He, he really did live that out. It's like you sometimes would get time to build a customer for what you'd done. It was like things did not go as promised, or didn't go as planned because you hit a whole bunch of roadblocks that were not our fault necessarily, but you just can't foresee everything. 
What was the what was the business? Sorry, it was uh, wa- we in water well drilling. Okay, so we drilled water wells and and repaired water wells. Yep. Okay, so sometimes you just get into a big old mess, and it sucks. It does. <laughs> yeah, it's just not fun for anybody. Right. right. Yeah. So you look at the hours that you've invested at the end of it, and you go, "Wow, this 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 is really going to hit them hard." And my dad would look over, and he goes, "I was a kid when we started talking like this. I mean, I'm talking." 10 years old it was like he just involved me in some of those decisions or his decision ultimately but it was he involved me in that conversation so i'd look at it and it's like in my mind i'm seeing dollar signs right right cha-ching ka-ching ka-ching it's like he's going well before you do that if you were them how would you feel put yourself in their shoes before you look at that again yeah uh question yeah do you like? Is that something you bid on prior to actually performing the job? Um, occasionally, but most of the time it was time material. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So you get into it, so the repair job, so it was like you could give a rough rough estimate, but usually it wasn't a binding bid like you're talking about. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, just to give the customer an idea. Mm-hmm. Right. But you run into this nest of problems where it just yeah it goes skyrockets nine hundred quick to twenty five hundred right, and the customer's going. Holy smokes, what just happened? Yep. Okay, so in all of that, to I grew up, and it's like, so you're in the business thing where you taught me how to run a business and some of that kind of stuff, right? Okay, so then taught me how to serve, but then I dropped some pieces or I didn't learn some pieces, and then I became a Christ follower. This was my lament later on, and this is me passing the buck. When I first came to Christ and I was in business, I don't know why in the world I didn't pursue somebody to teach me how to be a Christ-like businessman, because for me, there was a dichotomy or this um, segmented or component type life where I was a businessman and I was a dad and I was a beagle owner, (laughs) 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 but I was also a Christian, but why didn't I pursue, and again, it was me, why didn't I pursue somebody that would teach me how to be a Christ-like businessman? Mm Mm-hmm. And my dad, had, he taught me some components of it without knowing that's what he was doing now that I look back. But um, he wasn't a Christ follower, and I wasn't. And so, it's, you know, Christ never came up except for in our language. And that was far from honoring to God. Now when I look at it, it's like everything that you do, right, whether in word or deed, do it all to the glory of God. Right. And I, now it, like, makes sense. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you as an electrician, yeah. you working at the school, you working for an insurance company, it's like, uh, it, it, then you seek out, Lord, how do I bring you glory right, right where I'm planted? Right. Yeah. And then you grow in all of that ability, right? But if you don't make that, you don't know what you don't know. But sometimes I don't know what I don't know because I don't want to pursue. Exactly. Right. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm purposefully leaving this right. behind because, uh, yeah, behind those... Hmm. Yeah, that's a lot. I'm gonna have to make some expensive choices. Then. I'm not ready for that. Right. I didn't see it then. Right. Mm-hmm. So, Christ-like man comes down to learning how to make choices. Right. And walk in the footsteps of Christ. Okay. Yeah. So as we're getting to the end here, if um you, you want to, you would let me go like something. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, that's why there's an episode too. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> okay. What were you saying, Kevin? So if you if you wanted so repeat you said Christ likeness, being a Christ like man is knowing how to learning how to make decisions. Learning how to make decisions. Right. So um, under the authority yeah. of Christ. So how does somebody learn how to 
learn how to make decisions. I mean, if we back that up one step and somebody's like, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. So the Bible is full of people right, who both made good choices, and that's one of the beautiful things about the Bible. Mm-hmm. The Bible is full of people who made poor choices. I can learn from other people's bad choices. Right. I don't have to make them all myself, right? Yeah. Right. Okay. So you can learn from all of those examples given in Scripture. Right. But then there are just, um, there's some internal work that needs to happen in the life of everyone who becomes a Christ follower, but especially men. If you're going to be a man of integrity, or if you're going to be a man of character, if you're going to be a man who exhibits the life of Christ in you, then it's like not everything's permissible. Mm-hmm. Maybe permissible and like Paul talked about, but not beneficial. Mm-hmm. I've got the freedom to do anything, but it doesn't mean that's going to be beneficial to me nor the people around me. Right, so okay, you, three men. When you and I look at women, we can look at them, and I didn't always know this. When you look at women... It's a training in your mind to look at them in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. It 100% is. Yeah. Right. Right. Yes. It's a choice to let myself go Wander. down the other road. That's right. right. Okay. So it's like I can. Right. But it's like it doesn't mean it's beneficial. But if I want to be like Christ, if I want to be submitted under his authority, then for us, it doesn't, it is an option, but it becomes less of an option. Mm-hmm. Right. It starts to feel foreign. Like that's Hopefully. not right. 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 Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like that doesn't belong in this life. Right. Right. And there's, there's that, that, that war that rages inside of us, right? I've got this old man, new man that's like, mm-hmm. it's not which one you feed and all that other stuff. I mean, that, I should be dead to that. Right. He's still alive and he's, but I should be dead to that. Right. And alive to that, which Christ has set me free for. Right. Okay. So then your money too, is it your money or is it Christ? Christ. Right. Your toys, is it your toys or is it Christ? So you read through the Bible and so it's personal <clears throat> work inside your time. And so you look at these different areas and you go, okay, um, what does my life look like in terms of um, as I read and see the examples from scripture? And you can look at people who, um, we are both both the best advertisement and the worst advertisement for Christianity, aren't we? Reading the news, like, and Kevin and I have talked about this, some of the um, big name players who are getting shot out of the sky because of their hidden choices. Mm-hmm. Apparently weren't hidden forever. Right. Right. Which the way it goes. Uh, yeah. Doing darkness is going to be manifested in light. So right. that idea. So whatever you guys think that you might be doing in secret, you're not right. Heavenly father sees it, but those things will stunt your growth. So it's like, my wife's never going to find out you're a single man. Okay. So you get done. My wife's going to pass away, or I'm going to. I mean, but I'm just left with me. When I stand before Christ at the end, when I join him in the age to come, it's just me. Right. Mm -hmm. And somehow I can delude myself or buy into the deception. Mm -hmm. And all these masks and side trips and all this stuff was more important than just in loving. Serving. Right. Yep. I'll never forget um, Josh McCommon talking about, you talk about, you know, it's a choice. Uh, as far as how you look at women, mm-hmm. uh, him saying, looked at every woman as, as if she was his sister. Mm-hmm. It was like, never heard that before, before he said it, but that stuck with me. Yeah. Like, you don't want to kiss your sister. Right. Right. No. <laughs> when it was like, well, yeah, yeah, I guess if you look at it, every woman like your sister, then you're definitely going to stop your mind from going down that. That negative. The one that gets me would be that one from uh, Old Testament 
where David says, I'm going to um, satisfy myself with the breasts of the wife of my youth. And that's a choice, to be satisfied on that which you experienced as a kid and then to grow older, still choosing to be satisfied. Right. Right? Right. Right. To become discontent is to say, God, you're not giving me what's good enough. And so all of that stuff that we can experience, whether mm-hmm. it would be women or whether it would be toys or whether it be shiny things or... Right. And we talked about that. It's not the exact same thing, but with Jesus' temptation that um, it's not that he was saying no to things that weren't his. Like he offered him, turn the stone to bread. All food is Jesus's. He can, you know, it is his. Bow down to me and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. Well, they already belong to him. And we, we can look at like people or things that I need, well, David, and you're, I think you're going to speak on it soon. He, with Bathsheba, he's, he, he stopped from um, asking and receiving to now demanding and grabbing for what he wanted. And uh, it's making a choice. It's either, it's either those things or it's the kingdom of God. And you can't have them both. And it becomes, I think, well, hopefully in the mercy of God, pretty clear you well sometimes it's not you do it enough and you you think that that's what life is but then your eyes get open to something and like david you go man what have i done um but that's the training i guess is what i was getting at is is working toward that thing being able to see you have everything the world belongs to us we are inheritors of the world as jesus said we will inherit the earth so be the meek, be the, be the kingdom of God people, that everything belongs to you. Right. Serve the one who's giving us everything, and Christ-like, you know, that yeah. it comes back around to, to walking right behind Jesus. My brother-in-law often travels for his job, and he buys his gas station at the same, or he buys his gas at the same gas station every day, where he buys his oversized pop. And it's like, so he's developed a relationship with those people. (laughs) (laughs) And so he got on a plane, he flew to Seattle. And he gets a phone call in Seattle from the employee at the gas station and says, hey, when you were in here this morning, you didn't pay for your gas. Uh Uh-oh. How do you respond to that? (laughs) No, I did. I know, exactly. (laughs) Got one over on him. I just won. Sorry about your luck, loser. You know what I'm saying? Right. He said, oh, well, here, let me pay for it right now. Or, but you don't run from that stuff. Right, right. You own being a man. You own being Christ-like. If you run from it. Okay, so let me ask you guys. When you start running, when do you stop? Start running from being Christ-like. I mean, you don't. I'd like to say never, but I would hope that eventually your eyes would be open by the Holy Spirit. That you'd be all that you'd be open to the the Holy Spirit working in you, but if if it's on your own, then never, you'll never stop. When you're tired, I'd say when the burden gets too tough. Yeah, hopefully you seek the Holy Spirit at that point. Right, but if not, you're going to seek something else to fill that void. Mm-hmm. See how this works? Right. It's, it's the wrong question. question. Right. Yes, no. I knew it was one of those questions. <laughs> <laughs> That's why. Yeah. Zip. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. <laughs> So as Christians, why as a Christ as a man, why would I want to run from the one who gives me life? Right. Right. I, if I don't ask that and I just start running, 
he's going to show grace. He's going, but he's going to talk to me like a man too. He's going to say, man, you screwed up, son, which is a beautiful thing to hear. Painful. I mean, I've got an ego. I'd like to, you know. He disciplines the one. Well, the, I mean, right? Hebrews again. Yeah. He disciplines the one he loves. Right. So, so it's a beautiful thing to right. hear that you screwed up, son. That's right. If you're not getting disciplined, then. You're not a son. Right. right. And there's a problem there. Mm-hmm. So you're not running from him at that point. Right. You're running from your own shadow. But if I'm, if I'm his and I'm going to say I'm his, if I'm just saying I'm his, then why would I run? It's because then I don't know him. I don't trust him. And if I don't trust him, man, life is hell. And I'm believing in a Jesus that's not really the Jesus of the Bible. Right. Right? Right. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. It took me a second to correlate that your last statement <laughs> well, I was... I can have <laughs> huge gaps in my conversation, my wife tells me. As I'm processing, uh, referring back to the toys and the beagles, connecting those two together, you could have had one dog, been satisfied, ran trials on Saturday been satisfied or or not ran trials and just had a rabbit dog and went rabbit hunting after church or yeah. subsided somewhere else there are some ors yeah in that can be in our conversation uh-huh instead of just saying it has to be that or nothing mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's like what i'm working through though like you have your toys you have your your things right yep. um so like kevin's truck for example right shiny toy there's nothing bad about it oh no right if he can afford it right and if he's in agreement with his wife over it yep uh and at what point she found it so oh then you know <laughs> that's, yeah, that's yeah. good that's a, that's where it got started okay so right. there's a matrix that you run your thoughts through before you yep. say yes to something yep and that's where i'm getting to is okay for you like how like walk us through that though the matrix mm-hmm. or the questions that i would ask myself yes and, and at times it involves having other people ask myself if it's not clear to me mm-hmm you know, if I can feel myself getting yeah, that's a big point caught right, and it's like there have been times I've been afraid to ask other people right, and at that point at that point it's a big red you, flag. You should know right. if you're afraid to ask someone else about it. Like, <laughs> hey, should I do? <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna ask you about that one. And yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I'm not gonna do it. Yeah, it's like yeah, that idea. If if you can't run it by someone and feel comfortable, then but then when that's you the ask people, it. you got to be okay with the truth. You're you're doing it because you, okay. Um, the Lord gave me my wife to not just be a beautiful part of my life, in, but to shape me. Mm-hmm. She's a gift to me. Right. Right? Right. To tell me no from time to time. Right. And yep. if I don't trust that work of God in her or that work of God through her, I'm discounting a huge part of what God wants to do. Okay, so I say, say the same thing mm-hmm. about Kevin. Say the same thing about Franklin. Say the same thing about you, Cody. You guys are gifts to me to keep me from going down trails or paths or choices that are unhealthy for me. I was in part of a men's group a long time ago, and it's like my wife grew up um, showing at county fairs all over the state. Yeah, 15 of them or 18 of them or something like that. So then we had this great idea. Because she worked away from home. We've got four kids and all that other stuff. It's like, how do you generate some income? Because life as a pastor at that point wasn't paying real well. Um, Not making the bank that I am today. Um, (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> you don't even want to know what we paid on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, the, that feature price. Uh, right. Yeah. That was my Not whole week Bentley, check. But it's close. <laughs> um, so we thought, well, what can we do to make a little bit more? But also tailor our life where we would, she would be able we this family unit thing where we could do something together and all that other stuff. So it's like came up with this bright idea to buy a, and, and don't laugh, um, an ice cream trailer to take around the different fairs. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it's crazy, to be honest with you, some of the money that those guys make. Sure. Yeah, I mean, they work. Everybody loves ice cream. I know. Well, and you're already at the fair. And, and it's work, in the middle of summer. <laughs> work right. four months out of the year, and then they don't do anything because they've made enough in those four months. Yeah. Okay, I'm just, but apart from that. So it's like, sounds like a great idea. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, I was in ministry, and you move on from fair to fairs on Sundays. Well, that day's you gone. Thought I would have learned something from the Beagle days, wouldn't you? <laughs> nope. <laughs> so I nope. didn't learn part that of the lens group, and I said, "Hey, okay, guys, here's the deal. Um, ask me some questions, but this is what Candace and I are thinking." And so around the room, it was just like not everybody contributed, but a bunch of them meant that I respect. And it was like, "Ask me questions. Like, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? What about this? Right. What's your motivation?" And it's a Quaker thing is what it is, right? Mm-hmm. Quakers would do that. Mm-hmm. They would just submit themselves to that process for major decisions in their life. If I'm buying a pair of jeans, I really don't need to have people ask me. Well, except for some pair of jeans. <laughs> apparently quite expensive these days. Right. Yeah. Why are you looking at us? <laughs> <laughs> You're a well-dressed man. Yeah. Uh-huh. There's nothing wrong with that. No. No. Good looking. Not at all. I'm kind of jealous. So those men, they would ask me those questions. At the end of it, it was like, this, because all of my ideas, to be honest with you, are brilliant ideas. Yeah. I've uh, sold myself on them. I know, old. exactly. I've never had because a I've idea. asked every question that I could ever think of from any aspect by the time I got my, yeah. yeah. I know how to massage my own decision-making process. Isn't that wild how good so we are at doing that? Yes. We all are. I say yes, and yeah. it's like, this has Case to be closed. from God. I've never, right. I've never told myself no on those. <laughs> so we prayed about this whole thing, this decision thing. We prayed about it, and it was like, this is from God. And those guys asked me those questions, and it was like, basically, what in the world are you thinking? Yeah. This is going to take you from, and I was like, wow, I was blind, and now I see. Okay, I blinded myself, and now I see. Right. Okay. We don't, we, uh, there's just simple stuff that we don't do because we don't want people telling us what to do, and we miss out on the kingdom of God. We miss out on being a Christ-like man. Because... That's our little empire that we're the king of. Right. Okay, so you asked me what the matrix was. Um, does this honor God? Does this harm or bring life to my wife? And it's a both and on either question, right? And it's positive and negative. Mm-hmm. Right. Does this bring honor to God or does this dishonor God? Does this bring life to my wife or does this dishonor my wife? Is this something my kids would be proud of? Is this something I can afford? And they're really simple questions. Is this something that I can do without hiding? Mm-hmm. And you get through this list and you go, yeah. Yes, you ask yourself, why am I doing this? And it's tough when you got to answer honestly to yourself. Uh, because I deserve it. <laughs> you go, well, that's the thing is like, how do you, uh, well, at that point you just, how do we get, get to that place though of being okay with being honest with yourself? It's not the okay with being honest with myself. It's the next step. But if you're not honest with yourself, you're not going to ask those questions. Mm, you can, you can, but will you? 
is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I get it. Mm-hmm. But it's the next step that makes the difference. Let's say I'm honest with myself. Say, um, why am I doing this? Because I've got a big fat ego and I want people to be impressed with the new right. whatever. And I think I'm going to do it. Or that's a wrong choice. So it's a willingness to back away from yeah, right. that I was getting at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, I get it. I, it's that whole fig leaf thing, right? Mm-hmm. Make it look pretty or dress it up with something so that yeah. I don't have to admit what it really is. Yeah. Some, um, <clears throat> I love this conversation. Mm-hmm. I think this is great. Um, and I appreciate you taking the time out to talk with us. I want to throw out just one verse and maybe have us, if you have a comment on it or what you're thinking, but as we're having the conversation, you know, scriptures running through my head and I keep thinking of Hebrews 12 where the writer of Hebrews says after the faith chapter, Hebrews 11, where he's just going through and and ticking off every person who showed faith being um, certain of what they were hoping for. You know, they had not seen it listen off starting with Abel, uh, Abel and, and um, all the people. He gets to chapter 12 and says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witness, of witnesses, the, the entire list that we saw in Hebrews 11, he says, and here's what I think is really applicable with our conversation, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked, marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Since I threw it out, I'll just say what I'm thinking here to, to start. I think it's interesting, and I can't remember who pointed it out to me, but as soon as it was pointed out, I was like, oh, that's, yeah, it's obvious. It's right there in the text. Paul doesn't just say, toss away sin. He said, or, or the writer of Hebrews doesn't just say toss away sin, but but throw away everything that hinders. And I think that's a lot of what we've been talking about. It's not beagles aren't bad, ice cream trucks aren't bad, an iPhone isn't bad. But if it's the thing that's hindering you, then it absolutely throw bad. it off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and run with perseverance the race marked out, following Jesus. And that's like if I could boil it down into a verse and say, where does it say what we've been talking about? That's what keeps coming to my mind. Absolutely. Because, yeah, like you said, I mean, in and of themselves, the beagles by themselves, they're not bad. But when you put them on a pedestal mm-hmm. that you then start worshiping what the beagles can offer you or bring to you or yeah. what what it makes you feel like, well, then at that point, that's the things that are going to hinder you. And, and that seems like, what is it being a godly man? What is it being a Christ-like person? It's the, running the matrix that Gary just talked about. It's running what Hebrews 12 talks about. It's analyzing our lives over and over again with decisions that we make and saying, okay, is this hindering me? Yes, no, if it is, then then like you talked about, Gary, what decision am I going to make? Am I going to toss it aside or am I going to give myself to that and... Yeah. When I got married, it was pointed out to me. Not, I'm not saying any, any individual, but I became aware of how selfish, um, self-centered I could be as a person. I used to love bow hunting. I'm one of those guys that enjoys hunting, if you hadn't figured out with a big old thing already. But deer, deer hunting, too. I mean, I just loved hunting. And it's like one of those things where it can it become something you put on a pedestal or something you eat. 
right. self-centeredly, mm-hmm. it, it cost my wife. So then we started having babies. And it's like nothing worse than looking at your wife when she's got two babies, one of them screaming, and the other one is like sitting there just, and you're going, well, I'll be back from hunting after a while. <laughs> yeah. I got to go. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, it's about that time. Okay, so then it's not bad. But the thing it hinders. Okay, so then, yeah. How can I? How can I be a Christ-like man? Right. With two beautiful babies and a beautiful wife, right there. Right. While I'm pursuing something. Right. Why? Right. Well, to put meat on the table. Right. <laughs> Provider. <laughs> right. That's a smooth way to get around. Isn't it? it? Right. Such a like I said, I self-centered, and I would yeah I'll allow myself to deceive myself so easily. Because if I'm not doing this, then I might be doing that. Right. Could have been doing something worse. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. after all, I'm not one of those guys. Isn't that crazy? I could How have been at the bar. Right. Yeah. But I found the woods. Right. Yeah. And this is, this is healthy. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. 25 feet closer to God. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Franklin. <laughs> That's right. I had the speech down. And at the same time, oh, goodness gracious. Yeah, I'm talking about my wife and two beautiful babies. Right. And here, sitting in this room, it's like, mm-hmm. this isn't a good conversation now. This is not a wrestling match for me now. No. Right. You know what I'm saying? Sitting there with it, it was like, yeah, just like you said, Cody. Yeah, see you later. <laughs> I have things to do. Right. I had not yet learned what it meant to uh, die to myself. Right. To serve. And I think it's just like, as men... I feel like it's easy to just not want to ask yourself the questions. Right. Right. Like, which are keeping me from life at its root, right? I got stuff to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't want to sit back and think about this and analyze it. And yeah, is this life giving? Is this, right. eh, I got work to do. Right. Okay. But what are you, are you working for right now or something much bigger than this? And yeah, just that, I, like that idea of, pushing yourself to ask those important, tough questions. It's like, you're right. You're going to hit that wall and it's always going to be easier to no, I don't want to, I don't want to ask that question. It's just, it's easier if I don't. Okay. But is it life giving for you to walk away from that wall? A lot of the times, no. Right. And I I think that's why the conversations like this are important to have because it's, I would say impossible especially if you're if you're preaching or if you're discipling people or you're in your men's group or whatever to look out into the room and say okay here's the flat rule that you all must abide by right. hunting is always wrong right it doesn't work like that exactly and, right and going back to the to the puritan thing they get hammered because people th- and I'm not <laughs> whatever but are they, you converting to puritan yeah i'm not trying to do that <laughs> but it's just it's interesting because people hear that as oh it's well, pick dancing. Okay, dancing is wrong all the time. That's the thing that has gotten put on the pedestal or whatever. Don't do it. But the better the the um, Christ-like way to work through that is is dancing the thing to do now. Is hunting the thing to do now? Is you know it's that like you said that's the work of consistently training yourself to ask those questions to where you now by the grace of God just live like that person lives mm-hmm. it's right. it's like you were saying Gary you've lived enough you've had enough experiences where you're not wrestling with am I gonna sorry Candace I'll see you later with two kids that's not a decision that you're wrestling with anymore but it was one you had to wrestle with before and you're wrestling with it prior 
allows you to live, allows you to fix, you've fixed your eyes on Jesus and you're, you're running the race marked out for you. It's, yeah. Okay, so it's like um, I've known Cody for a long time. I've known Franklin for quite a while now. Yeah, five years. Is that it? That's how long Beck and I have been dating. Okay. And Kevin for quite a while. Yeah. It's been amazing to watch the choices you guys have made. And some of them tough choices. Immaculate. So It is amazing. Yeah. Just, uh, I mean, five years ago, I was 15. Uh, wasn't really following the Lord. And to look at my life now is astounding. But yeah. To watch somebody go through that process. It's neither easy nor quick. Right. But neither is it passive. Right. Mm-hmm. It's something you right. have to pursue. Right. And I appreciate how you guys you know, pursue. I don't know how to end this, but I don't think we have to have a way to end it. Well, thanks for the grace of allowing me to come down here just to talk. Yeah. It's like um, what you guys are attempting to accomplish with um, hosting these podcasts and everything else to influence people is a beautiful thing. So keep doing the beautiful things that the Lord puts in front of you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. means a lot. Mm-hmm. Thanks for hanging out with us, Gary. Yep. <laughs>